Hello, my name is Ben Lindsay, CEO and founder of Power to Fight, and welcome to Power Talk, talks that empower you to impact youth violence in your context. Power Talks are short, powerful interviews from leading youth violence experts, spreading new ideas and sharing best practice. Today we have Amani Simpson telling us about his journey from being a victim of youth violence to now providing solutions for young people. Thanks for your time. Amani, it's really good to have you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. So my name is Amani Simpson. Um, I am a youth leader and entrepreneur. And um, essentially, I live to empower young people. Okay, what's your organisation? What type of It's called Aviard Inspires, and um, uh, we empower young people through music, sorry, media, events, and personal development. We have a music event, that's why I said music. Shit. That's fair <laughs> enough. Um, so just tell us a little bit, a bit about your story, because um, it's a very interesting one. So how did you get to this point? What inspired you to do this type of work? Uh, I guess the best way to look at it is I failed my way to success, if that's... I guess that's the, yeah. So um, I got kicked out of school. I went to unit. I went to, um, I was in care. I was in country. I did all the different things that I guess is, um, you know, quite typical of someone that's struggling as they grow up and um, ended up turning my life around. But then I got stabbed after that. So I got stabbed seven times in one go. Um, And in that moment, I had to evaluate, you know, I, I thought I was doing well. So why was I allowed to to get stabbed at that point. Um, and essentially, I had a really deep conversation in the ambulance with God that was basically like, I don't know if I believe in you. Like, you know, I've been going to, to church my whole life and how could you let me get stabbed? And um, essentially, the, 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 the conversation I had in the ambulance was, I kind of got why I needed to be stabbed. I, I knew that they had to be a bit of a separation from the old person I was to the person I needed to become, the person you see today. Um, because essentially, if I hadn't been stabbed, I, I wouldn't be talking about empowering young people. I'd probably be swanned off somewhere doing something a bit more selfish. Right, I'm going to take it back a little bit because you've said some things where uh, people who may be listening to this and watching this may well be surprised that you were somebody who was in church, you know, which um, may for some people typically be thinking, okay, well, then you are not maybe the stereotypical person who we see in the media yeah. who are involved in youth violence. And, and you mentioned some terms like you went country. Mm-hmm. You might want to just explain what that is. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested, like, well, how, come, how does a church boy yeah. go from, you know, being in, in church and doing all the stuff church kids are meant to do mm-hmm. to going outside of London and selling drugs yeah. and then ends up being stabbed? What is that process? What was happening there? Um, it's a lack of identity. I think the, the title church boy, um, I understand you know, that it has particular connotations, but I think anyone can get caught up in that lifestyle because it's very attractive. Um, and street culture um, will overpower near enough anything else that you come against because it's what your friends do, it's the music you listen to, it's the way that we dress and the way that we talk. Um, and there's, you know, there's positives in that, but there's also many negatives. So I wasn't counteracted with enough positives at that time. I didn't see enough positive young black men that had kind of come from uh, similar environments to me and had made themselves successful. The people I looked up to were gang members and, you know, street, um, you know, street criminals and stuff like that. And so even what, though you were in church? Even though I was still, in church, I didn't... I didn't these people around you? It overpowered the church because the church was something that I was going to by default. You know, my mum would say, mum, dad, let's go to church on a Sunday. It was, uh, you know, a place of rule keeping and it was like, turn your phone off. 
you know, when you're in church, you've got focus, you've got to do Bible study, you've got to do all of that stuff. And at the time, I didn't really understand the, 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 the value of it. It was more of a just, I'm just doing it because my parents want me to do it. Um, and so, as I said, it, it kind of was overpowered and overshadowed by the, um, uh, by the street culture, I guess. Mm. You know, it was, it was very attractive. You know, my, my first album that I bought was Get Rich or Die, Try and Buy 50 Cent. And so that kind of gives you an independent... <laughs> like, okay, so that was, that was your motivation. Or, yeah. And that motivation was more than what you were listening to yeah. in church. Kurt Franklin didn't do that for me. Because at the time, I, I'm not talking to my boys about Kurt Franklin, I'm talking about 50 Cent's album. That's, that's fair enough. So Yeah, yeah. And from there, like, so obviously it sounds like there was a motivation for, for money mm-hmm. and like, what comes of that. But were you, did, would you say that you came from poverty? No, not at all. My mum and dad, um, they, they did their best. Things weren't easy, um, but we lived in a, in a pretty decent area. They, um, they, my mum uh, grew up in Stoke Newington, my dad grew up in White City. And um, essentially, he came over from Jamaica and moved to White City and then moved from there and came over to North London. Um, and so they did their best. You know, yeah, they tried the, to... The, but the point is, yeah. you, you didn't have like... No, hold, it holes in your shoes. No, no, no. It wasn't no, like no, that kind no, of thing. No, no, but yet, there was still something. It's a mindset. And so, you know, when I, was, when I was in school, although I didn't have the issues that some of my peers had, mm. you, you almost, you don't see it like that. You just want to be like them. And you don't realise that actually you've got maybe a little bit of a better mm. starting ground than some of the, your peers. And, and, you know, essentially because you're following people that are also struggling with things and almost don't know where they're going at a young age, you end up kind of following them off a cliff and you don't actually realise, you know, in that sense. You, yeah. You're kind of just following them because it's, a, it's, it's fun to do in school. But then the whole kind of idea of you going out of London selling drugs, how did that kind of happen? So um, after, so the second school I went to, I got kicked out of two schools and the second school I went to, um, I got caught up in some problems and essentially ended up robbing a kid. Um, And after robbing that kid, I I basically took a BB gun, um, I guess in a form of protection and uh, got caught with it outside my house by the police. Um, And my mum and dad just said, look, this is the end of the line for me. Um, and basically said, look, we don't want him to stay here. So they, they took me to care and um, were like a secure unit. Um, and so I was there for about maybe three or four months. And then I just met an older boy who kind of groomed me and was just like, listen, like, let's go to a particular area outside of London. Do you want to make some money? And it, it was freedom for me. It was it, well, it seemed like freedom. Um, it looked very attractive. I, I wasn't really money uh, orientated at that time. I think it was more freedom and trying to find myself. Yeah. So he gave me a kind of older brother figure to kind of look at. Um, and then just literally took me up there, kind of dropped me off in the middle of nowhere and was just like, here's crack, here's heroin, sell this and call me when you're finished and wow. come back, so. And that's interesting, like, you know, uh, some people might be surprised to think that, okay, something like care is a place where you're getting groomed. Well, why would they be surprised at that? It's, it's a very vulnerable situation. You haven't got always the... Um, the, the uh, there's a lot of people in a similar environment to you and what I found there is there's a lot of broken people in care people that have been let down by their, their family or let down by society or whatever the case may be. And so you, you kind of put them all in one house together and you start getting influenced by different people. You know, I got into, I had various different fights for no reason, just because we were angry young people in the same room together. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a dark place. Right. Yeah, and I, I can see how people can very easily get pulled into something that looks a bit more attractive because no one's checking for you. Yeah. You're your own person to, to, to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah, okay, they're trying to encourage you to be independent, but it's not your parents. Yeah. And it's not people that necessarily have that 100% love for you. Sure. You know, and so it's very easy for someone else to come in and almost slide in and, and sweet talk you to, to yeah. come and do something else. So. 
Sounds like there was a turning point where you said you were stabbed seven times. Um, obviously, we're dealing with something which is very traumatic in your, in your life, so um, you know, feel free to, to talk as much or as little as you want around that. But what was, you know, you, you uh, alluded to earlier on that it was when you was in the ambulance. Mm. That there was like, obviously, an epiphany moment. Yeah, but I'd even take it back one step further. So I'd say that actually the first change happened when I was in the, well, at County Lines or in country, um, where I nearly got arrested um, for, with whatever amount of drugs that I had. And I just basically made a decision to say, look, I've got, I can't do this anymore. I called my parents and they literally let me come home. And so from there, I started the steps of this change. It wasn't just that overnight I got stabbed and, you know, then, you know, I'm the person you see today. I, I changed at 16. I started to go to college. Um, I started, you know, this whole entrepreneurial kind of uh, vision of starting a business. And just before we get there, how old were you when you were doing... 16. So, uh, so going to... Uh, Country, yeah, sixteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, for me, that as I said, the change was more so. I changed my mindset. So I started to read books like uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki and Think and Grow Rich, and you know all these different books to do with my own personal development. Before, to be fair, this is even before I got into church. So that was my own kind of foundation building in my mind. And then it's only when I got to the stage where after I got stabbed at 21, so this is between about 17 and 21 that I got stabbed. Right. Um, well, I got stabbed at 21, shall I say, sorry. Yeah. And it was only at that point that I then added the, the God element to it and my faith because I had that kind of, yeah. that discipline and that, you know, that vision and that self-belief to a certain extent, but I didn't, I wasn't God-centered. And I feel like that was an important part that was missing in my life. But just to be clear, it's obviously five years between like you're 16 and you're 21 now, you're doing some 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 positive stuff. Yeah. yeah did that like was it a situation where that life just followed you mm. for you being stabbed at 21, or were you still in that process of just trying to get out of that life? And it's never that simple. Right? I guess the best way to put it is put into the wrong situation. My true colours show uh, shone out. So um, <laughs> essentially, I got I got stabbed because I intervened in something that had nothing to do with me. So that's things I was doing in school. You know, I was the you know the the hype person behind that wants to be part of the crowd. I could have very easily got in my car and driven off. I knew the person, but he had five of his friends, so I didn't need to be the person to save the day. But I wanted to do that at the time. And then when I was when I came face to face with the guys that stabbed me in the end, I ran my mouth to the guy. You know, so I said something in kind of the moment, in the adrenaline, that basically agitated him. Sure. And if you're with a group of 20 of your friends and someone challenges you and you've got a knife, the first thing you're going to do is, is to think, how am I going to kind of show this guy that I'm stronger than him? And so that's, that's essentially how I got stabbed. Let's talk about um, the positives, because you know, I've met you a couple of times. Uh, I'm always impressed with how you, you speak, but mainly because I think there is a real kind of drive for you to be excellent at everything you do. I think the way that you're uh, challenging, I've been in meetings with you and you've challenged like, local authorities, central government and doing better yeah. for young people coming out of these situations. Um, what do you think are some of, I've got two questions for you. What, what do you think is some of the solutions to, some, to the issue we've got of, of youth violence? And also, the whole idea of power to fight is that we are trying to empower communities, yeah. whether that is community groups, whether that's faith groups, Churches, you know, you've said you've come from the church. What are some of the lessons? Would you say, you know, you're talking to a church pastor, yeah. what would you say that, you know, we need to be thinking about around this issue? I guess the first thing I'd say to you as a church pastor is, um, the same thing I said when we, when we met, is, you know, 
you have a lot of the answers in your congregation and I feel like sometimes the structure that church offers on a weekly basis doesn't allow for um, new ideas or for young voices to come through and actually shine through. And, and I think for us as young people, we don't really get to talk to our leaders. We sit there and get spoken to. Um, our parents will tell us this is what you have to believe. And then when we say why, it's don't question me because this is what it is. And I think definitely from my perspective growing up, I had a lot of questions. And even after I kind of you know, found God, I still had a lot of questions. I still had a lot of things I struggled with. Um, so that's the first thing. It's definitely about providing a platform in these environments for young people to, to voice their opinions and to ask questions and to you know, almost be able to be empowered. And then the second thing I would say is, um, from a society perspective and from you know, us as organizations or youth leaders, is to make sure that the, the young people that are getting involved in some of these more negative side of things, you know, the, the selling of drugs or the fraud and all these different things, that we teach them how to use these skills on the other side of the tracks. Because the, the reason why I was successful after I got stabbed or partially successful in my own opinion is because the skills that I learned from being on road you know, the diligence, the, the, you know, the, the organization of your phone rings and you have to go and, you know, meet a customer. When I built my property business, I took that from the street and I put it into property and no one taught me how to do that. It was just learning as you go along and, and basically empowering young people to say that, look, you're going to make mistakes and things are going to happen, but almost providing them with that support network because it is very hard on your own. And it's very easy to say to someone, put down the knife and put down the gun and stop selling drugs, but what are they going to do otherwise? Yeah, no, I think that's fascinating. Um, last thing, I've heard you use this term, um, learn, earn and return. Yeah. And I picked that up and I was like, no, that's good. Just break that down for us, because I think it's such an important concept when I heard you speak about it. So it actually found, it was actually came from, I have to prop, give props to my god sister. So my god sister, Jamelia Donaldson, who runs Treasure Tress, um, she said it to me one day, she came to my house, and basically the concept, essentially it's us, especially as, as the black community, um, we always want to help others, which is great. And we have a, a really servant attitude about us, but a lot of the time we don't earn to be able to come back and really have those positions of economic, you know, I guess power to a certain extent. We have to kind of, please, can you help us fund our project? Or, you know, please, let's do a GoFundMe or, you know, and I think that's great, but there's not enough earning before we return. We learn a lot just by being in the situations that we come from and the environments that we come from. And then a lot of us want to go and then be youth leaders, which is great, but we then work for an organization or a council who has the ability to shut it down and sever it and say, look, well, do you know what? It doesn't really work for our objectives. So thanks for your hard work, but see you later. And that doesn't help anyone. So we almost need to have a level of um, control over these projects. And you, you, essentially money is going to do that. You know, and there's a lot of successful people around us, and not just the black community in general. But we, oh yeah, that's what I feel. And that's really important. I think it's a great note to finish on that ownership, I think, is really important yeah. in these situations. Um, Amani, thank you for your time. Um, I, I'm always watching with interest what you're doing as a, as a young man. I think you've done amazingly well. Thank you. Keep going, uh, don't give up. And then, yeah, really appreciate thank it. You, man. Nice one. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. It.